Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, can we still live, slap, and love under these conditions? Are we worried about Nick Suzuki and the great Halloween candy debate and more inside today's show? You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 945 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and condition apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We are, of course, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your podcast, or if you are watching on YouTube, in video format as well. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, the Canadians are 5-2-2, two, and two, which is probably much better than many of us predicted they would be to start the season. And everybody is still finding things to panic about. And I gotta say, I'm already tired of it, because let me enjoy the good things that are happening right now before we delve into all the panic. I agree. And to that end, we had a listener question from a good friend of ours who kind of was addressing that a little bit. So it's our friend JS, uh, and we received this by email. Uh, Hey, gang, haven't written y'all in a long while. Like I said, the theme of this week is like old friends. I'm just going to start rereading this question for you, Scott. Sorry about that. Um, Jay, our good friend JS sends us an email. Hey, gang, haven't written y'all in a long while. And I love this because the theme of this week has been reconnecting with our old friends. Uh, I'm currently on tour with my band across Europe. Like You might be our coolest listener ever. <laughs> A band, you're touring with your band across Europe. Uh, okay, so I'm watching the Montreal CBJ game, CBJ game in Prague. It just gets cooler and cooler, this email. Uh, and I wanted to touch on something Scott did an episode on recently, and that's about Slavkovsky's progress. I just want to say this. Anyone complaining about him or not watching the games, in my opinion, he's everywhere on the ice. His speed is impressive. Going from fighting for a puck in the corner and then being in position in front of the net for a scoring chance seems to be a common theme with Slav. I just wanted to write and say that I'm impressed with his progress and how he's playing and adapting. Anyone not liking what they're seeing, in my opinion, is a fair weather fan. So this is interesting because I feel like this is one of the most polarizing topics we get. We've got people who comment and listen. And we're all watching the same games. <laughs> we're literally all watching. Literally, it's the same games that are happening in front of us. Right. And some people say that Slavkovsky has a lot of worrying signs and that he does not belong in the NHL. And they don't understand why the Canadians didn't put him in the AHL, which is a question that we have from time to time asked ourselves. And then there's some people that see the raw talent and think that there's a lot of potential. It's too early to write him off. And that raw talent just needs to be corralled and developed correctly. And I like, I'm in the second camp. I don't feel that it has been developed and corralled to the best of his ability, but I do see that raw talent. I do see that potential there. And the thing about it is he's doing this when Slavkovsky was looking at his best this preseason. And in the first two games, who was he playing with? He was playing with Kirby Doc. 
they do not have Kirby Doc right now, and his current center is a guy who is likely going to play a good chunk of this season as a winger and a fill-in center in Alex Newhook. And Josh Anderson, who the Canadians, what, three years in, four years in at this point, have not found the proper mesh for in their lineup here. And I've seen thread after thread of just people today that it's like, the Canadians ruined everything because, you know, they paraded him around like royalty when they picked him and then rushed him and didn't let him go to world juniors and everything else. And it just seems like everybody's got an ax to grind with Uri Slavkovsky right now, failing to account for the fact that he hasn't had consistent, healthy centers at the NHL level. He got injured in a freak thing last year. This year, and I look at what Hattie Kalik, I should put together a thread about this, is that he's playing with his head up more. He's using his reach. He's pivoting in corners and making plays happen. He's doing all the building block things that you want to see, and everyone wants him to be a goal scorer. His bread and butter is being a playmaking winger. I know everyone wants him to be a goal scorer, but guys, where he's thrived has been as a playmaker, not as a goal scorer. And just the overblown, like, it's people have taken this personally from a person I thought was a lot more nuanced and better at this than other things that I'm not going to go into, that it's like, oh, they treated him like royalty. He was the first overall pick at a draft in Montreal. Were they, like, parading him through the dressing room and everything? He's the first overall pick. All of this comes off so weird, like axe to grind. It, it's like, I, at, I don't even know what to say anymore because it feels like we've gone past, I'm going to analyze the play on the ice, which some people are doing. And yeah, some of the stats aren't good, but he also doesn't have a real center centering him right now. We'll see what happens when Christian Dvorak comes back in a week, and we'll touch on that later on uh, this week as we get closer to that, what we think our lineup would look like. It's just, I don't understand why, and it was today too, is that everyone's like, oh, I'd be worried. He doesn't, his his center that was bringing the best out of him blew out his knee in the second game of the year. That's not exactly a thing, an easy thing to overcome this year. And I'm just so tired of this whole thing is that we cannot enjoy the good things that are happening because everyone's just looking at counting stats. And it's such a lazy way to go through things, it feels like, is that there's more to Slavkovsky's game than goals, assists, plus, minus. Would I like to see more points? Yes. But I also think he's done so many good things right. He sent Josh Anderson on so many breakaways that Anderson has not finished off. I don't know how you can blame him for that. If Anderson finished some of these or if they didn't hit posts, et cetera, would he have four, five, six points on the season? We're looking at this going, oh, okay. But no, everyone wants to just jump to a rush judgment and be, quite frankly, pissy about this like it impacts their life somehow. I I don't, and they've shifted the goalpost now. It's that, oh, they should have drafted Logan Cooley. Why? Because Logan Nobody Cooley, was saying that last year. Yeah, it's, oh, oh, Shane Wright was the right pick, which admittedly we on this podcast said. That's what we, we thought before the draft the draft and then they picked Slavkovsky but then like that's the thing it's Logan Cooley we knew all of these three players had great potential the fact that Logan Cooley has achieved it much faster doesn't mean that Shane Wright and Slavkovsky are busts like it does not mean that and I think like this is the thing the problem with Slavkovsky is that he was drafted first overall in a very hype like like exactly like you said it was 
the spotlight was the issue. The spotlight was the biggest problem for me. And I think, like, it is true for me. I still believe, and I might be wrong in the long run, I still believe that he should have spent significant time in the AHL last year. But at this point, that ship has sailed. The Canadians are not willing to do that. They would rather play him in, you know, the the bottom, um, or last year they would have rather played him in the bottom six, and now they're trying to give him more opportunities. They're trying to give him better assignments. But at the end of the day, like, that raw skill is still there. I don't think that he's, you know, not as good as people think that he, or not as good as uh, scouting thought he was. I just think that, at the end of the day, like there was so much hype and there's a possibility that his ceiling is so high that even if he attains anything, like even 1% less than that, it's still going to be a problem for some people. I think we need to have patience, but I also think that it's fair to wish that the Canadians had gone a different route with the development aspect of it. Yes, I wouldn't have been opposed to if he's played another year in Sweden or if he had gone to the AHL. I wouldn't have been opposed to those things, but he looked good enough that he could have made the NHL and there were some bumps in the road that, yeah, maybe he could have gone to the AHL for a little bit. But I also understand the Canadians going through the hardships and wanting him to grow. And this year, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays games in the AHL. And you know what? Fine. Give me a plan in place for that. Is that I think he's doing the things right here is that He's being put in a position where he's being asked to do a lot that he cannot do without a proper center to support him in those roles there. And they cannot control Kirby Doc getting hurt. Those two together worked so well. And we saw that and we got excited. The opening game of the season, the goal Alex Newhook scored was because of the work between all three of them on there. Sometimes things change. And if you're not going to use nuance and understand the mitigating factors around a season and just dump on a player, you're being lazy and you're being bitter. And I don't have time for analysis like that. And that's ironically kind of how we're going to transition to this next thing here, because Slavkovsky is not the only young player on this team. People are apparently worried about early on in the season here in apparently a very grumpy episode of lockdown Canadians today. We're going to talk about Nick Suzuki and everything in, uh, how has his early season gone? Are we worried? No. And we're going to get into all of that coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by the folks at Indeed. And when you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? And if you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast and with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. I got to tell you, I did spend a lot of time looking for jobs in the past year before I started my new one. Indeed was great, quick, easy, able to find out everything I needed immediately. And Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Indeed knows, just visit indeed.com slash lockdown to start hiring now. That is indeed.com slash lockdown. Indeed, com slash lockdown terms and condition apply cost per application pricing not available for everyone need to hire you need indeed so we are back and we are apparently just airing grievances on all hallows eve here in north america it is halloween when you're recording this spooky i know uh and we're going to talk 
we're going to transition from Slavkovsky to Nick Suzuki. Now, Laura, was this another question or was this just kind of a discussion happening in our comments on YouTube? So this was like one of our newer friends uh, had commented in the face of some commentary. And it wasn't necessarily necessarily coming from Habs fandom. Obviously, Habs fans and Habs media pointed out at the beginning of the season that Nick Suzuki was not at that elite level that we're used to seeing him start the season, right? It was a slow start, admittedly, for a couple of games. It wasn't a big deal. But I think what happened was that a specific subset of Toronto fans latched onto that and started pointing it out. And that kind of gave Habs fans that, that a little bit of insecurity about, um, about, you know, Nick Suzuki's performance. And that doesn't sound like this fan base at all. <laughs> insecurity. No. And obviously there was uh, like smug analytics uh, people that um, were kind of fanning the flames because they're determined to uh, consider Nick Suzuki overpaid. Anyway, you can read so about it for a dollar a month if you subscribe every month now. Uh, we're not going to read about it uh, because Nick <laughs> Suzuki is not overpaid. Nick Suzuki is adequately paid. But our, our friends um, from, uh, like our friend uh, Doghouse, listening to the early goings of the Habs Blue Jackets game, it seems like Suzuki is lacking confidence, which makes sense. And it se- and he seems hesitant to play his game. Not sure what it would take to, to get him go, oh, never mind. He just scores. Playoffs, here we come. Ha, ha, ha. So, um, thank you, Doghouse. And this is the thing. It's like, you know, Nick Suzuki, I think everybody is uh, used to him being the guy for for lack of a better option, right? Like, he's the steadying presence. He's the one who's defensively sound. He's the one who's offensively sound. And I think for me, specifically, it's not about Habs fans more it's about like outside fans and I think everybody just kind of needs to take a step back because Nick Suzuki even at the beginning of the season I think there were three games in uh Martin St. Louis said that he spoke to Nick Suzuki he's not going to call out his best player or one of his best players in the media he's not going to use the media to send a message he's going to have that conversation one-on-one and that's the thing like Nick Suzuki like you pointed out, I believe he has eight points in the last seven games or seven points in the last. I can't remember what you were. Like you had up to eight yesterday. points in nine games at this right, point. Right, there you go. That was like, it. You said that at the after, like last night at the game. And then I should have looked that up before we started recording because I was very upset about this. Um, but yeah, like, look, like he, he he's he's got eight points in nine games. I think we can all calm down and we can stop looking to Nick Suzuki as, you know, having to uh, vastly dramatically improve his game. He just had a couple of games where he seemed a little bit quiet and then his intensity is now back. Um, he is able to control play the way that he used to. I don't know how much more we want from Nick Suzuki, but I'm not worried about him in any way. No, like defensively, the line he's on hasn't been up to snuff, I think as much as we want, but also they're playing a lot of minutes against really good competition in most, in most games, because one, like we talked about in the previous segment, Kirby Doc is out injured. He was a guy who could take some of those minutes because he forces teams to game plan for that. And that second line isn't leading the way that it should right now. And the third line is doing a pretty good job at eating up some of those other minutes and getting chances at the other end, thanks to a very strong season by Sean Monahan, which is well worth pointing out here. I'm not worried about Nick Suzuki. Every year we do this where if he doesn't score for like two games or three games, everyone thinks he's going to just... He's not going to be good anymore. And he quietly rips off a bunch of really strong efforts there. You know, he scored the late tying goal in Vegas, had a really sick shootout goal, had a really sick shootout goal against Columbus too. And I just, 
I'm not worried about it. And I feel like if we're panicking over the start of the season already is we're ignoring all the good things they've done in Vegas, you know, quote today, Martin St. Louis, you know, afterwards, I think it was Samuel Montembeau said, this is the best game we've had. And they lost in this game. I might dispute best game they've had. They've had some really strong games under Martin St. Louis. Don't get me wrong, but this is one of the ones where they took it to a very good team. This is not, they took it to the Blue Jackets or the Blackhawks or the Coyotes or the Leafs in the first game of the season because that's always a fluke kind of thing. They took this to a very good team for 60 minutes and then another five in overtime and lost in a skills contest. Nick Suzuki is a big part of that. And I I will just never understand why people think, and I get that you know, he's overpaid, his contract is bad. Yeah, well, your model sucks. So that doesn't matter to me right now is that I look at what I'm watching in front of me. A team that is lacking a true second line center right now. Obviously, Christian Dvorak's on the way back. Where he'll be, we don't know. They got to work with what they have. They are 5-2-2 two, and two right now, playing very strong 5-on-5 five five hockey, have a middle-of-the-road power play, which is what we asked for and are getting good goaltending and some decent defense from a team that is very young still. Nick Suzuki's going to be just fine. He and Caulfield just work together. There is a synergy between those two guys that just works. And honestly, I'd like to see when Christian Dvorak comes back, put Alex Newhook on that line and give them some speed, move Raphael Harvey-Penard down there with Slavkovsky and Dvorak, and then let things kind of go a little bit. And I think we could have a lot of fun stuff happening here. I I just I it's just like the Slavkovsky thing. We are less than 10 games into this season and everybody wants to be like here is my conclusion for everything. It's never as bad as it looks and it's never as good as it is at this peak for the most part here. I'm not going to worry about Nick Suzuki because I don't need to. He has 8 points in 9 games right now and since he's start he's got his first two goals now. And he's going to start to pick that up every time he gets his he goes on a goal scoring drought. He scores one or two and then it's just boom, 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 boom. Multi-point games, dominating games from Nick Suzuki in the offensive zone. I don't know how to make it more clear that this is going to be just fine. Yes, we'd love to have Kirby Doc here. And I think a lot of people are really for whatever reason, there was a real weird tribalism is that you can have one or the other. You can't like both for some godforsaken reason. And with Doc out, people are going to blame everything that goes wrong on Suzuki, which also comes with wearing the C. Are we back mm-hmm. at it's not that deep? <laughs> it's not that deep. Yes, we are. We were always at it's not that deep on this podcast. I just really wish people would enjoy when good things are happening on here. Every time something happens, they got to look for something to be negative about. And I don't... It's going to be a long season if that's what you want to do. Because, yeah, the Canadians were going to start losing games at some point. Enjoy what's really good right now and use it as a building block. I'm not concerned about Nick Suzuki. His numbers are going to come good. He's getting better in the face-off dot. And I'm just seeing so much of why he got that contract. There's smart playmaking and vision and things happening. That against Vegas, that was a game they could have won by... They could have won that game by two or three goals had things gone their way. And Nick Suzuki probably would have been a big part of that. Like you said, Laura, it's not that deep. Everyone take a deep breath. Don't feed the trolls. I know it is very fun to talk trash and everything with other teams. 
but they're just going to, you're arguing with people who don't want to have a nuanced debate and you're just wasting your time. Exactly. And speaking of nuanced debates on this hockey podcast, we have ranted and raved a lot on this show, mostly myself with what is left of my voice right now. It is Halloween when we're recording this, and I thought, let's have a little bit of fun. Laura and I are going to engage in the great Halloween candy debate. We're going to rank our top three or four. I just kind of haven't decided yet on our Halloween candies and make fun of the other person's choices. What is the number one Halloween candy? I have my pick. Laura likely has hers, and we're going to get into that in our final segment. But first, today's show is brought to you by Sleeper, and a new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Cole Caulfield could score 50 goals. Maybe not the Canadians could hoist the Stanley Cup, and you can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of Locked On NHL. Sleeper is the number one choice for daily fantasy sports, including daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in a daily fantasy hockey contest. Who would I pick to win 100 times my cash this week? Cole Caulfield scoring a goal in overtime, Nick Suzuki scoring in the shootout, and you can play the NFL. NBA, MLB, college football, all on Sleeper. You can join groups, chat in-game, connect with other fans to make your picks. And all you have to do is pick whether studs, you know, like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Cole Caulfield against anybody who doubted him will record more or less than the Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, or more in a given game. And to win 100 times a bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me had spam. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks and start winning big. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKDOWNNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. It is Halloween. Everything is very spooky, very scary, like, you know, the housing market and cost of living and everything else. Ooh, but you're not here for that. You're here to hear, listen to Laura and I argue about Halloween candy now. Or at least that's what I'm deciding you're here to listen to right now. And Laura, do we want to start at the bottom of our, our let's say podium. We'll go our okay. top three. I want you to tell me what you think the bottom are because I feel like we're about to get into a fight. Okay. Because I feel no. like my favorites are the least liked candy. Well, now I'm going to make you pick your number. What is your bronze medal Halloween candy? Your My third place medal? candy. Okay. I don't want anyone like, I don't want letters. Okay. No letters. In the in Canada, they're called Rockets. In the US, they're called Smarties. I love, wait, do you mean like the chalk tablets or like the candy, the chocolate, like flat M&Ms? No, no. The chalk tablets. The flat M&Ms are Smarties in Canada. They're not Rockets. <laughs> What am I doing on this pot? Just eat an antacid. <laughs> we're 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 in our thirties. Like, okay. just take an antacid if that's what you want. <laughs> oh I my knew god! It. I knew we were gonna fight. I knew it. What am I doing on this podcast? My goal is like I for Halloween a year when I can have whatever sugary sweet I want. I, I would like a tums. Tub. I would like a children's tums, please. <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh my god. I was gonna say my my third place is I love I love Twix. I love okay. a good Twix bar. The crunchy, you know, cookie bar in there with caramel and chocolate and everything. caramel or caramel, Laura? Caramel. Okay, good. We're on the same page on that one. <laughs> uh I I absolutely love a good Twix bar. The peanut butter Twix, elite dark chocolate Twix, 
also great. They go third on my list. Uh, who takes your silver medal then? Uh, honestly, I like the little Mars bars. Um, because I find that Mars is really cloying if you have a full size bar, but sometimes you just want that ooey gooeyness. So like the mini Mars, like really, really hits that spot. I like, I want, I have a thought for like my second one, but it's not really like given out in the U S at Christmas. Like as an aside, I'm going to put this as an honorable mention in there because I love coffee crisp and anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I love coffee crisp now. Like I never had it before Laura started sending it to me, but I I love coffee crisp. Nobody tell them about the fun new flavors they've come out with limited editions because they've uh, got limited edition coffee crisp and you didn't tell me. Well, it's in the care package and I wanted to surprise you. Oh well, I'm just I'm just a jerk now. Spoiled my own surprise. So <laughs> I wanted, yeah, like you didn't let me finish my sentence. I was gonna say so he can be surprised when he gets it. Well. Guess what, everybody? I'm the worst. You can tweet me at Scott Matla on Twitter to tell me I'm the worst. And I will go, yes, I know that already. My second Scott place. is not the worst, okay? The reason he's getting a care package is because he's the best. I will put in my second place. And this one might be controversial because I know not a lot of people love this. I love Twizzlers. I will Ooh. eat an entire pack of Twizzlers without trying. Give myself a stomachache, wonder what happened, and then do it all again the next time. I adore Twizzlers. I think for me, Twizzlers doesn't, I don't associate Twizzlers with Halloween. I associate Twizzlers with a road trip snack. Like, all, like I always want a bag of Twizzlers in the car when we're on a road trip. And that's the thing is, it's like some places give out like the little ones or like the little pollen peels, which are great because they're cherry flavored, not strawberry. Uh, if you give me black licorice, I will egg your house. Black licorice is disgusting. <laughs> Never do that. I'll take and them all. I'm, I'm the friend who takes all the pickles and the black licorice and the olives. It, I don't mind olives. That's that's fine. But like, I like I love Twizzlers. I was like, I, do I put Starburst here because I love Starburst a lot. Like I they will have eat the little entire... ones that are so yummy. I don't know what it is. They feel like they taste better than the full size Starburst. But like, I I absolutely adore Twizzlers. Um, Laura, what is your gold medalist for Halloween candy? Judging, I'm trying to figure out because I I. I thought I couldn't really choose but judging from the ones that I buy the most for my team um and then like pick out I like the mini arrows oh I do love an arrow bar so like that... you know like there's a pack with the Kit Kats and and like I don't know what other associated so like I dump them all in the basket at work like for like the snacks for the team and then I pick out the arrows like I I got into arrow bars because when we vacationed up in the Kawarthas my dad got um sweet marie's my brother got uh, he got the boxes of Smarties, so I had to pick a candy that was specific for me, and I fell in love with Aero Bars up there. They had the caramel ones. They had the mint ones, and I love Aero Bars. I'm glad they are available more regularly in the U.S. At the top of my platform, though, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who knows me, it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, specifically if it is a holiday-shaped one. And I have talked with – I had a debate with people about this the at a brewery pumpkin. the other day. The it pumpkin. is. No, the number one shape is Christmas trees. Oh. Then pumpkins and then Easter eggs. Because Easter eggs are just basically a pumpkin that got smoothed out. But like I I love Reese's peanut butter cups and they make the big cups now that have Reese's pieces in it or bits of potato chips and everything. And they are just they are so good. And yes, I can only eat like two of them because I'm like, they're so sweet now, and I'm 32, so I'm like, okay, but I will always pick Reese's peanut butter cups or Reese's pieces 
or take fives, anything that has a Reese's name on it, I will absolutely go for that at a holiday. So for me, it's the big ones that you mentioned with the Reese's pieces in them. That is my ultimate. If I'm ever having a bad day, if someone brings me that, I'm like so touched and like revived. And do you have an honorable mention? Because I also want to shout out Snickers is always a good option just because it's got a little bit of everything in there. I mm-hmm. I I will never turn down a Snickers if Reese's are not available. And I know I already shouted out Coffee Crisp, but shout out Coffee Crisp, sponsor this podcast. Um, I do love a Snickers every now and then. So my honorable mention is going to go to little M&M packets or little Smarties packets, like the real Smarties, not the rocket chalk Smarties, <laughs> uh, because it's like a little packet that has many chocolates in it. So like if you have them one by one, you can prolong your snack. Uh, are you a regular M&M person or do you like one of the specialty ones there? Uh, my favorite is the plain chocolate one, like the milk chocolate one. Uh, but I'm kind of boring. Like I don't love usually like the brownie flavor or like those weird ones they come out with. Uh, I do like the peanut one though. I would say peanut M&Ms are probably my favorite because I do like that. Uh, the peanut butter M&Ms are good every now and then. They are good, I, yeah. I, I don't tend to, you know, stray into like the Easter ones that are like a malted milk egg or whatever. That's a specific seasonal thing. But we want to know your candy rankings. Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. Tell us how wrong we are. Drop it in the YouTube comments. Email us at LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. We will have our mailbag episode potentially later on this week, depending on how late the Habs game in Arizona goes on Thursday night. We will be back tomorrow after the Laval Rocket game. We're going to talk about Christian Dvorak's impending return, the lineup, and so much else. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your daily podcasts. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Malice. Subscribe on YouTube. Please tell all your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you all next time. 